I am confusion. Why is this Kansas? But this is not Arkansas. America, explain. Iconic. I would also like to know English. Good morning, good day, and good evening. And good night. Good night. Welcome to the Insomnia Report, episode 37. For real this time. Yes. Sorry about that. I never I never said I knew how to count. <laughs> it's okay. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. And we are the two friends and roommates that like to talk about the things that keep us up at night. Hey. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you have listened before, welcome back. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for listening. We got another spooky ooky tale for you. It's your sage. Spooky. Are you going to keep the lights on? Do you believe in ghosts? I do. We're keeping the lights on. Yep. The and we are believe locked. in ghosts. Yeah, so I don't know. We're already off to a good start. Anyway, I will go ahead and light the candle. Will you... Please tell me about your week. I had something in mind and I completely forgot what it was. Story of my life. Because um, I didn't just want to talk about The Bachelorette again because I feel like we do that all the time. <laughs> but it is a very... But it was beautiful. Margo yes. and I cried in the last we did. episode. I, it was it was very poetic. And yeah. Wow. Well, we love Michael. We do. And it was a... It, yeah, I don't know. It was a sad one. But it was a good one. For sure. For sure. What about you? sleep soundly. Uh, well, our friend Mitch is moving to Denver, and that oh, makes yeah. me really sad. Mm. That That's kept me up, but it's okay, because I know. Yeah, me can, too. We can visit him. He'll visit, but... Yeah. I don't know. Shout out to Mitch. It's kind of sad. We love you, Mitch. Denver will be neat, I guess. That's where, like, all the cool kids are going these days, it seems. For real. Yeah. Like, everyone I know is in Denver. Yeah. Not really, but... Right, but... I hear more about it than I had previously, but yeah, it's cool. Me I'd too. go there. You know, it's fine. Whatever. Have fun. <laughs> Have fun in your little mountain Have town. fun in the mountains. <laughs> Breathe in the, that but high altitude air. air. <laughs> yeah. Eating Denver omelets, maybe? Yeah. Sparky. But made a noise. I made a, a big noise. All right. Ready to rumble? Yes. Tell me. A tale. Where are we going today? Today we're going to Arkansas. Okay. Arkansas. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) Just had to say that. Yes. I think it's because Arkansas was settled by the French. Ah. And they don't say their S. Like, like the end of words, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. My name is Margo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware. Uh, anyway, okay. we're going to a town called Monticello, Arkansas. Monticello. That sounds like a wine, like a summery wine. It does. It's also the name of Thomas Jefferson's home. 
Oh, Pardon? is he from Arkansas? No. Oh, okay. I think they pronounce it Monticello, though. But it's ah. spelled the same. Okay. I don't know if it was named after that. Anyway, <laughs> on December 25th, 1948. Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. There was a Christmas party. <laughs> Yay. In Monticello, Arkansas. Happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. <laughs> it was hosted by a 77-year-old woman named Katie, C-A-D-D-Y-E, Allen. Caddy. Caddy. Kadia. Kadia. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm going to call her Katie. We'll call her Katie. Katie lived in a beautiful 8,500 square foot Queen Anne Victorian house built in 1906. That also included some neoclassical, some gothic architectural elements as well. And the architect that designed it, Sylvester Hotchkiss, intended for it to be the most impressive house in town. And it was. (laughs) He succeeded. He did. Katie's husband had wanted to make an impression on the entire town because he was a businessman and he wanted to be seen as kind of part of the high society. But in 1948, Katie lived there with some family members, including her 54-year-old daughter, Liddell Allen, who had moved there to take care of her widowed mother. Okay. The Allens were a well-known family in Monticello, and the Christmas party was going swimmingly with all of the important people in the town present. But little did they know that it would soon take a tragic turn. Oh, no. As the night went on, Liddell, her daughter, Katie's daughter, mingled with the guests, but she seemed to be waiting for someone. Hmm. At the end of the night, she got a plate of hors d'oeuvres and a glass of punch, and she walked up to her room in the master bedroom, and she used the snacks and the punch to disguise the taste of mercury cyanide. Oh, no. A deadly poison. Oh, dear. It was a cure for syphilis at the time. If it worked, I'm not sure. Okay. But it meant, this is really awful, but it meant that she didn't die right away. No. Liddell was taken to the Mac Wilson Hospital, which was less than a block from her house. And she died a few days later on January 2nd, 1949. No. Her funeral was two days later on January 4th in the house, the Allen house. Most likely in the dining room, because they'd right. used that in the past for funerals as mm. well. Okay. All right. Lovely. The town of Monticello was shocked by Liddell's suicide. Mm. What had driven her to do such a thing? No one knew. One thing that could have influenced her decision was the fact that she was an alcoholic. Mm. But that wasn't well known outside of her family. And people... At least her family members thought it had to be more than that, but no one knew it was a total mystery. And in her uh, obituary in the paper, it says, quote, Possessed of a charming personality and lovable disposition, she believed that to be loved was to love others. She practiced her philosophy of life in her everyday living, never feeling that anything was too hard to do for a friend. Oh. So Liddell was well-loved. She had lots of friends, and they missed her. They were really sad without her. And Katie, her mother, sealed off Liddell's room, and it wouldn't be opened again until 37 years later. Ooh. So 
a little bit more about Liddell. She was called Dell by her friends. She was born March 22nd, 1894, and she got married in 1914 to a guy named Boyd Randolph Bonner, who owned a billiards hall. Okay. And who was tall. Okay. <laughs> so, was that his only redeeming qualities? I guess. Is it redeeming? Like, what else about him? I, what, I don't know. Oh, just that he's tall? What, what else is there? He was also <laughs> slender and had blue eyes and light brown hair. Okay. I don't know anything else. About okay, him. that's fine. <laughs> In 1915, they had a son, Elliot Allen Bonner. Oh, I love those names. Yeah, me too. But he didn't go by Elliot, he just went by Allen Bonner. And his nickname was Duke. Hey, Duke. Yeah, that's cute. They moved to Texas in 1920, and her husband was working on an oil rig. What else do you do in Texas? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. But then in 1927, they got divorced, hmm. which is kind of interesting. I don't I don't know, if, like, how common that was. I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, that wasn't even common, like, in the 80s and stuff. I don't right. know. So, I don't Crazy. know. Yeah. We're not judging. I just think it's interesting. No, not at all. And then in 1930, Liddell was in Memphis running a hotel, and her son, Alan, was living with his grandmother, uh, Katie, in Monticello in the house, the Allen house. Alan, the son, went to Baylor, became a journalism student. Became editor of the school newspaper and joined a comedy club. Hmm. Eventually, he became a radio editor for the Associated Press. But in 1944, when he was 28, he was in New York and he got pneumonia and died. Oh. Yeah. Sad. He's so young. Mm -hmm. Then they sent his body back to Monticello. And I assume they had his funeral in the dining room as well. Then, in 1948, Liddell's ex-husband died in Los Angeles at the age of 56. It's also young. Yeah. And then, finally, that same year, Liddell would commit suicide oh. on Christmas. On Why day, Christmas? That's just so sad. Yeah. After that, the house, which, as I mentioned, is gigantic, mm-hmm. was divided up into apartments. Okay. And rented out people who lived there started to experience unexplained things Hmm. in 1985 the house is sold to a couple and they open liddell's room for the first time was this before or after it was made into apartments uh after but for some reason i don't know they her room like was untouched okay during that time and they, they found, actually, in a closet on a shelf, a bottle of cyanide. Oh, that's so weird. I know. Isn't that so weird? Oh. Then, in 2007, the house was bought by Mark and Rebecca Spencer. And Mark is the dean of the School of Arts and Humanities at the University of Arkansas hmm. in Monticello. So, him and his wife, Rebecca... They were, like, looking for a place to live in Monticello, and they drove by this house, and they were like, holy shit, which, like, fair. Right. Because it was big and old and grand. Yeah. Oh, my. How lovely. 
Yeah. It is quite grand. Really it looks big. like a castle. I know. That's gigantic. So they saw this house and they were like, we need to live in this house. Which I want that one. I don't blame them because it's beautiful. Google it. Yeah. It's the Allen House in Monticello, Arkansas. Google image it. You will, you will see it. It's very beautiful. You will be amazed. It has like turrets and pillars and everything. And like dainty things. It's not a box. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's nice. The old woman who owned the house was like, all right, I'll give you a tour of the house. And I guess I guess she was looking to sell it anyway. So the night before, they drove by the house, and their three kids were with them. And their oldest son was like, who's that lady in the window? Yeah. And it was on one of the second floor windows in one of the turrets. And there was a lady there, and they all saw her. She was. It looked like she was sitting at a desk. Maybe she was writing a letter or reading a book. And, yeah. They were like, oh, it's probably just the lady who owns it, you know, doing something. But then the next day, they took a tour and they got inside to the room where they saw the woman in the window and they couldn't even enter the room because it was like packed with stuff because she was moving. Mm. And they were like, but like, but like, we saw you in here last night. And she was like, I wasn't in here last night. Uh, And, uh, She was like, yeah, no, like, that wasn't me. And they still bought it? <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, and then this she... This is why I... <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like, have you been talking to people, like, in Monticello about this house? Have they been saying things about it, like, that it's haunted? Like, just curious, like, and for no reason. Mark was like, yeah, but, like, I don't really believe in that stuff. And she was like, no, it's haunted. <laughs> oh, no, it is. <laughs> And then she told him the story of Liddell Allen, who had killed herself in that room. But then the owner was like, you know what? I think you guys are meant to have this house. Oh. (laughs) She had a feeling, she said. So she sold it to them. As they were moving in, the strange things already started happening. Oh, cool. So one of the main things that happened, that happens in the house is... They see doppelgangers. Ah, no, no, <laughs> absolutely not. No. Yeah, like of each other. No, no, no. Yeah. No. I know. Stop. It's. I hate it. So when they were moving in, Mark saw one of his kids mm. next to the staircase, mm-hmm. kind of like looking into the middle distance, and mm. he kind of looked like. He said he looked kind of off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he, like he, maybe he didn't feel well or something. Okay. And he asked his son, like, so, like, do you like your new house? And he didn't respond. No. And then he asked him again. Stop. And he still didn't respond. I hate it. And then. Throw it away. Mark, <laughs> Mark turned around and he looked back and he was gone. Throw the entire child away. <laughs> like, No. <laughs> burn the house <laughs> absolutely not yeah and then later mark found him and was like why were you ignoring me and he was like i haven't been downstairs all day mm-hmm. so oh my god i hate it so much that's yeah. my worst nightmare it's, it's so it's, weird it's like the mirror thing i just yeah. like, can't do it it's really weird oh god and then the other son no. huh i said no oh <laughs> <laughs> um well and then so their son jacob Got mad at his older brother, Joshua, 
Because he said he came into his room and would whisper his name over and over in his ear. Ah. Uh, no. 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 No, Elizabeth. This is the worst one you've ever done. I'm, I'm so sorry. No. I'm so sorry. No, you're not. Um, you're going. It's fine. And then Joshua was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I never did that. <laughs> um, and Mark, for some reason, he was like, everything's fine. <laughs> He was like, I don't believe in ghosts. This isn't real. He'll be the first one to die. Um, it's fine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But then the weird things kept happening, mm. and paranormal investigators kept trying to come in, like, investigate the house, and they were like, no, like, we don't want you to come. Like, you know, you're, you'd be, like, disturbing the peace or whatever. The peace with doppelgangers? I know. Whispering sweet nothings? No. Mm. I'm okay. Oh, God. Mark said that one day he was painting in the attic. He was kind of like hanging out the window, and he was hanging out of the window. Like, like he was like painting. I don't know what he was painting, like a siding or something. He was sort oh, of like okay. In the attic, I thought like, you meant like he set up like an art studio, and oh. he was like hanging out of the window. I'm like, what? To, to like what? Okay, I see. I see. He was painting the house. Yeah, I got it. he was doing. Like, I thought you meant he was construction like, taking work. A, a portrait. Or oh. <laughs> creative perspective yeah (laughs) you have to do risky things for good art so when he came back in the sun was kind of like low in the sky and his shadow was all across the whole attic and he he was kind of like wow that's cool (laughs) and then (laughs) wow neat wow (laughs) (laughs) hey wow (laughs) owen wilson wow wow and and then he said that he moved but his shadow didn't (gasps) (laughs) no and that for some reason of all the things like really shook him good finally it only took like seven years i don't and he was like all right like let's oh this is kind of let's let some paranormal investigators in see what happens (laughs) okay so a team from louisiana came in and they investigated the house they took a lot of like recordings evps whatever Mm -hmm. and then they left and a while later, they came back and they were like, yeah, like this house is definitely haunted. <laughs> <laughs> what gave it away? They captured over 40 EVPs. Oh. And I want to play you two of them. Okay, let's hear it. I just lied. And, and then immediately after that, she says, <gasps> It was justified. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. It was justified. It was justified. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, man. Who oh, me? I know. Okay. But, like, and I'm really curious to, to hear, like, I didn't really do any more research on the EVPs, but I'm curious to see if there are other ones online, because, like, those are really if there's, oh, oh. clear. Yeah. Oh, God. And originally, the paranormal crew, like, didn't really, like, nothing really happened to them while they were investigating. Sure. So, they were kind of like, okay, like, There were no, know. like, bangs or creaks or anything. Yeah. Like, and oh. then they went and listened back to the, like, the recording devices and were like, oh. Oh, oh I was wrong. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Um. Yeah. Well, there you are. There we go. So. She has a lot to say, but she's shy, you know. She does. Um, so then Mark was like, he heard all these and he was like, okay. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> he was like, I'm a believer. Um, then I heard her voice. Liddell. <laughs> I'm, I'm a believer. believer. 
And he decided to do some of his own investigating. Okay. So he took a recorder to the attic by himself. Brave. Which is like, yeah, really brave. I would not, like, after hearing those, like, no. even those, just those two, I, I would never, I would move out. I would, yeah. I would move out. I'd be <laughs> like, all right, girl, see you later. Right. And he asked, why are you here? And he captured an EVP that says, I like it here. Okay. I mean, that's like, fair. fair. Sure. Yeah. And he was just like, holy cow, like, I believe in ghosts now. Like, oh, 100%. Yeah. And there's a ghost in my house. Right, like I, can't, I bet he was just like having this existential crisis. Like, yeah, ghosts are real. I live in a haunted house. Oh my god! Right. I don't know. I know. Like, how do you like your whole worldview probably has to shift? Right, because for people that have never experienced it, I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, like I don't know, I don't know if I believe it's never happened to me. And then when it does happen to you, you're like, okay, right, exactly. So. Now that we've established that Liddell is a ghost and that she <laughs> she lives she, in the house. She's stuck around. And haunts the house. So a couple of years after they moved in, in t- August of 2009, Mark wakes up on a Saturday and is like, I need to go to the attic. It was mm. like something in his mind was like compelling him to sure. go. And he had a feeling he would find something there. Ew. Like even though he'd spent a lot of time up there and he was like, he never had urges. Yeah, nothing there was, like, really unexpected. Did he find money? Uh, well, no. He went up to the attic. <laughs> he found a body. No. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh. <sighs> okay, sorry. Um, I'll stop interrupting. No, it's okay. I In one of my Facebook groups, the one where people post weird stuff they find in walls mm-hmm. and houses and stuff, this lady, her aunt was, like, a hoarder, mm-hmm. and one of the things she collected was, like, an ancient mummy. I'm what from I forget where she got it from. How did you get that? But there was literally like this body, like in the attic or something. Where did you find that? I don't. You can't get that at museums. I have no idea where she got it. Oh my god, no! (laughs) Anyway, when he said that, I was like, no, we didn't find a body, but other people (laughs) have. Oh (laughs) Jesus Christ! Okay, I'm sorry. It was like 500 years old, which makes it a little better. Like a little better. What the fuck are you doing with that? I don't know. I don't know. In your attic. I don't know. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't live like that. I No. Yeah. I know. Knowing that's there, like, oh, yeah. You know, like. And, like, the lady said that originally her aunt told her it was somewhere else in the house, and it took uh, them two years to find it. They were, like, cleaning the house for two years. Anyway. Okay. (laughs) Like, anyway, yeah. No, I would, I would, like, hire a cleaning crew and be, like. By the way, you might find... Right. Like, I can't sift through this stuff knowing that I might happen upon... Anyway. Anyway. Okay. I digress. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well. Well. Okay. Okay. So, Mark is in the attic, and he goes to the south end of the attic near the turret Hmm. and sees, like, a little opening in the floor. Uh Uh-oh. And something was, like, in his head was, like, look closer. And so, he, like, got down on his hands and knees and, like, looked and it was an envelope i thought you were gonna say an eye oh oh my god <laughs> no and he pulled it out and it contained smaller envelopes mm. and those contained letters oh okay addressed to liddell oh. in 1948 oh and so he pulled them out and he started reading it and they were love letters oh 
And Mark was like, oh my God. And so he pried up the floorboards and found more letters, around 80 in total. Oh my gosh. From a man named Prentice Hemingway Savage. That sounds fake. I know, right? (laughs) Who names their kid that? So he's reading them and Liddell ran into Prentice Hemingway Savage, who was allegedly her high school sweetheart Mm -hmm. while he was visiting family in Monticello. Okay. But at the time, he was married and working as an executive at Texaco Oil in Minnesota. Oh. His letters said things like, he would go anywhere to meet Liddell. He couldn't keep his hands off of her. Lies. Et cetera. Um, and they would meet up once in a while. They met up in Wisconsin. They spent two weeks together in Minnesota. And Liddell kept all of his letters, but she was, like, freaked out about like, what could happen if someone found out about them. Mm -hmm. So she told him to rip up the letters that she sent to him and put the scraps in the envelope that he mailed back to her with his letters. So some of the envelopes had, like, bits of her letters in them. So in the letters, they were planning for him to leave his wife. He said he would leave his wife and run away with Liddell on and they they had a timeline for this and it was it would culminate on Christmas and oh. they would spend Christmas together oh. I forgot to mention this but in one of the letters there was a map that showed his trip to Minnesota with her and like all the details and stuff like that so mm-hmm. they were meeting up they were having an affair and um, he said he was in love with her mm-hmm. and he was always thinking about her Then one day, towards the beginning of December, he wrote to her and he said that he couldn't actually leave his wife um, and that he didn't know when he could write again. And then she never received another letter from him. Oh. Okay. And then that's when she committed suicide at the Christmas party. Because it was like she was waiting for him to show up and then he didn't come. And she just, like, couldn't deal with that. And also, like... Her son had died a few years before that. And, like... Her ex-husband. Her ex-husband. And she had problems with drinking and, like... It's just a bad recipe. It's just... Yeah, I feel really bad for her. I do, too. Like, that's so sad. She must have felt... Because I can understand how, like, if she was in this dark place and then she had this guy and it was, like, a bright spot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe I'm just speculating. No, I... I don't know. I, I probably I agree, and it's really sad. Yeah, and to have that taken away. Um, he died like twenty years later in the seventies. Mm. Anyway, that's really random. But the only way to reach him is through the Ouija board. We're not going to do We're that. We're not going to do that. Spare box. <laughs> that would take a long time because you only get like one word. No right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Other really random words. Um, Pancake. Yeah. Is he saying he likes to eat pancakes for dinner? Maybe she was his sweetheart because you put syrup on pancakes and pancakes are sweet. Oh my god. Oh my god. He's saying he's in love. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So the doppelganger thing continues. Ugh, God, no. Um Mark has seen his one time he saw his wife in front of one of the windows in their bedroom, in the master bedroom. And she was like looking at the window, but the curtain wasn't pulled back. God. 
Dang and it. And he was going to be like, what are you doing? But then she just disappeared, like, right in front of him. I hate it so much. I hate it. I, I can't <laughs> even tell you how much I hate it. I know. It. I just, okay. The cabinets in the kitchen will open and close no, randomly. No, Um, The dining room has a lot of activity because that's where they had the funerals. They smell at times cigar smoke mm. and have seen a shadow man in a wide-brimmed hat. Okay. Um, Like a fedora? Like a, I think kind of like a cowboy hat. Yeehaw. <laughs> and hey, <they> think, partner. <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> I'm here to hold your house. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeehaw. Yeehaw. <laughs> they believe there can be up to six ghosts in the house. Oh, okay. And that includes the ghosts of Liddell, sure. of course. Her son, Alan. Mm-hmm. Um, her mother, Katie. Okay. And her father, Jolie. Hi. Okay. And a baby. Oh. I don't know who the baby is. And a man who I think is the, like, the shadow cowboy. man. Yeah. Um, and there may be more than that. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm really curious about the doppelgangers. Like, if that's Liddell or if that's one of the others and, like, why they would do that. Like, what their motivation is. I... I don't know, and I don't like it. No, I don't like it at all. I don't, I don't like, like doppel- doppelganger stories. I don't like mirrors. I just, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I can't do it. Uh, Liddell's father, Joe Lee, named a town in Arkansas after her. So Aww. there's a Liddell, Arkansas. I actually couldn't find if it still exists or not. Okay. Because if it does, it's like Small. really tiny, like, like, I don't even know a few, a few people. But it's the occupation is like six and it's all the ghosts right or 12 and they're doppelgangers i don't know oh my god Blah. maybe like the baby ghost and the cowboy man are from when it was apartments yeah i maybe. don't know maybe it's unrelated maybe so yeah if it still exists then she lives on as well in that town but she also literally is still around haunting the house mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's the story of the Allen House. In 2012, Mark wrote a book about it called A Haunted Love Story, The Ghosts of the Allen House. And a lot of this info is from, actually most of it, is from an episode of the podcast Spooked. The episode's called Lost in Time. Mm. And also an episode of Ghost Brothers. (laughs) They investigated the house and found some creepy stuff. Oof. And I want to read you part of a letter from... Okay. Um, what's his name? Uh, Parker Wilson Savage. <laughs> Savage. Edgar Allan Prentice. Poe. Prentice. Hemingway. Or Ernest. What was his name? Mockingbird. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> Here's part of a letter from P.H. Savage to Liddell, dated March 27th, 1948. So this is kind of the beginning of their affair. Okay. He says, my dear Dell, you are indeed a sweet person to write me so promptly, and I do appreciate it so much. It seems so natural to hear from you, and I hope you will have no concern over writing because there is no occasion for it. I would rather resent it if I were denied the privilege of hearing from you if you wish to write, and I hope you will. Telling Virginia about hearing from me was perfectly all right, and I am sure she will forget it, and if she does not, it won't hurt you or me. 
When I came in this morning, there were a number of letters awaiting me after an absence of several days from the office, and all of them were business letters but one, and I'll give you one guess which one I opened first. It was good to hear from you and a tonic for the day. See what good effects quick responses have. You certainly are as near the Dell I knew years ago as you could possibly be. I see so little change in you, and yet your misfortune has been so great. It's wonderful, my dear, how cheerful you are, and it is a sign of great character. I was with you such a short time, I don't believe I had an opportunity to express to you my regret over your misfortune. Yeah. Del, you have one outstanding trait, and that is you make everyone love you, and all of those I talked with told me what a wonderful, sweet person you were, Aww. how everyone loved you, and how you made everyone happy when you were around them. That's the way you were as a girl, and I can understand after seeing you again. Keep smiling. Oh. And he goes on, and, and yeah, but that's just, like, one of their first letters, so you can imagine yeah, um, how, how it escalates. How the other ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, jeez. Maybe I'll start writing my letters to my clients like that. Like, you are indeed. <laughs> I do appreciate <laughs> it so much. It's Yeah, it's so, I love the tone. It's so interesting. And then he ends it. Um, when he says, I do, I do hope that you will write me again because I do enjoy hearing from you, Del. And I think that, and I think that 24 hour answer was real cute. I'll be looking and hoping for a letter. Sincerely, practice. (sighs) Like, damn. Like, I know he he was like married, so it's like not great, but like. Right, like don't have an affair, but geez. Yeah. Oh, so it's just sad all around. It's really sad. I encourage everyone to listen to the Spooked podcast mm-hmm. because it's really good. Mark is a good storyteller. Well, thank you for that. I yeah. appreciate it. Um, rest in peace. Sorry, I had to tell Del- you about the doppelgangers. God, it's okay. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just gonna be. I don't, I don't know. Like at least that knock on wood that hasn't happened in the three years we've lived here or whatever. You know, yeah, the two years. I don't know. Ooh, Ugh. wow, Jesus, cheese and rice. I, I can't <laughs> do it. <laughs> I just can't. I hate it so much. Oh Lord. Okay. If anyone wants to know things, I'm afraid of it's just that I don't know. It's just so eerie. Like, I don't know why they manifest. It's just, it seems so malicious to me. Yeah, it's so weird. And then it's like, I don't know. Maybe that's an episode for another day, but I'm going to have to be drunk for that one because I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can do it. Okay. Well, we can, we can hold off on that. Oh, my God. Wait, look at me. I'm, I'm just, look at me. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> So, oh. I guess we'll never go to the Allen house. I mean, we can. I just, like, if... God, I don't I don't know. I, like, we would have to hold hands the whole time so I would know, like... Right. Like, <laughs> I, I mean... That it's... That if you see another version of me, it's not me. I'm like, uh-oh. Marco is not here right now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ew. 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 Okay. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Have you ever looked at something and it just really stuck with you and you weren't sure why whether it's an old photograph or a piece of art and you're just like captivated by it Mm -hmm. tell me more like can you think of anything specific or like um 
The other day, I saw the cover of the current New Yorker. Okay. And it's this girl, like, putting makeup on in the mirror. Okay. And I don't know why. No. Mirrors. No. No, no. But, but like, like in a, in a okay, nice way. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I, I just saw something in myself in her because I don't, I feel like it's not a scene that you see a lot. Like, sure. And I, I actually, like, tried to, I went to the bookstore and was, like, down the street and was trying to buy it, but they didn't have it. No. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. So I was like, wow. I don't know. I can't tell you why, but I liked it. Certain things speak to you. Yeah. I feel you. Like, one of my favorite pieces of artwork is the song in the Lark. It, mm-hmm. It's at the Art Institute of Chicago. And it's just one of those paintings that I saw and, like, I don't know why, but it, like, held me in. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really know where I'm going with this. I just wanted to, like, start the conversation. But essentially, I'm taking you to an art gallery. of a bunch of different haunted paintings so not just one specific painting but um similar to the dybbuk box certain objects can be haunted so whether it's you know the emotion tied into the artist who made it or it resembles something or you know a ghost attached itself or if it's a portrait or something so just gonna bounce around a little bit okay um so let me know what you think so the first one is we meet a man named sean robinson and he inherited a painting that belonged to his grandmother when sean was a boy he discovered the painting in her attic in the corner under a lot of layers of curtains he thought it was kind of weird, so he talked to his grandma about it, and she said she didn't know a lot about who the artist was because it had been, you know, passed down, uh, but it was rumored that the artist, shortly after finishing the painting, had died by suicide. Oh, no. The grandmother also said it was believed that the artist used their own blood when mixing the paint and there's blood in parts of the painting why would you buy that painting we're already off to a good start i don't know maybe it was a white elephant gift like haha (laughs) oh my god i would burn it (laughs) well i don't know but ah okay the painting is of a man and he has holes where his eye should be no and his face is twisted in a horror scream and he looks like he's in agony no it is called the anguished man okay oh Done. my god okay oh yeah. i feel like i've seen that before maybe you oh my might god have seen yeah it kind of looks like a mummy it does you know? yeah a little bit oh my god I it's very like it. it's like a mummy with a crash dummy yeah but i don't it's I don't very like it. unsettling it, it he does look like he's anguished very you know anguished very English. So, Sean gets this painting. It's inherited to him, uh, you know, when his grandmother passes. I, I don't know why she put it in his, like, <laughs> and I give everything to your brother and Sean gets the anguish man. <laughs> <laughs> However, he gets this painting 
And he decides, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep it in the basement. Oh. Soon after, he, you know, brings it home. He starts to hear scratching noises. <gasps> oh, no. And he starts to hear banging noises throughout the house. Oh, my God. That literally gave me goosebumps. Ugh. I yeah. hate the scratching. I hate it, too. Out of the corner of his eye, he would see things or he would feel a cold, strange presence. His wife also said that she felt as if someone was touching her hair. Oh, no. Eventually, they started seeing a fog or mist-like thing at the top of their stairs. People who looked at the painting for a long time would get nosebleeds. What? Or they would start to feel nausea. Oh, my God. Eventually, Sean woke up to a figure of a man standing over his bed one night. No. So he's like, all right, F this, I'm out. He decided to keep the painting locked in one of their spare bedrooms. Why doesn't he just get rid of it? Don't know. <laughs> okay. Maybe he didn't want anyone to, like, have that. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe he didn't know what to do with it, or he was like, yeah. okay, like, I, I don't know what's going on. Okay. So they locked it in a spare bedroom, and they decided to keep the lights on in this room, and they actually had a camera playing, like, 24-7, or maybe not, but they had the camera playing at night when they went to bed. Mm. So on the recordings, you can see orbs, and then you can also hear banging noises, and when Sean would inspect the room, when he would hear these noises, nothing was out of order, like nothing had fallen. It was just like this banging sound. Oh my god. And so then they hired a paranormal investigation team called the Mysteria Paranormal Group. Mm. And this group gather around in a room and they have like the paint in there. And suddenly the room became icy cold and they saw a dark figure appear. And then in the room, a wooden bench started to bang on its own and then it eventually flipped over completely. Oh my God. And there were about 20 witnesses. So they keep the painting locked away now a days, and similar to what his grandmother did, he keeps it under a bunch of layers of cloth. But there are actually video recordings of, like, the painting when it was being monitored in the room on YouTube. And you can see, like, orbs. I, I didn't watch, like, all of them, but there's, mm -hmm. like, a YouTube channel about it. it oh it's called God. The English Man. So I don't know where the painting is today, but thanks, Grandma. <laughs> okay, so next we have, I don't know if you've ever heard of this man, but his name is Bernardo. And I don't know any Bernardos. <laughs> well, his full name is Bernardo de Galvez, and he was a Spanish military leader that was born in 1746, and he helped the Americans during the Revolutionary War. Wow. So thank you, Bernardo. Thank you, sir. In a town called... In a town called Glaveston, Texas, in the early 1900s, the city opened a fancy hotel, and they decided to name it after him. And naturally, with any fancy old hotel from the early 1900s, there's bound to be a big portrait of the man it's dedicated to, right? Of course. Well, this portrait gets a lot of complaints, and guests have always said that something about the portrait seems off, and... It includes things such as 
the eyes move as people walk down the hallway or people feel cold spots or the doors will rattle around the painting. And this was happening so frequently that guests started to complain to the staff saying that the hotel was playing pranks on visitors. I don't like that. I don't like that either. And the hotel was like, no, no, like we, we promise. And hotel guests would be like, you're, you're doing this for PR. Like, stop it. Like, I don't like this. My daughter doesn't like this. And it's like, no, 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 it's, it's not us. So what's more is if someone tries to take a picture of the portrait, the image will come out blurry or out of focus or distorted. However, if someone asks the portrait politely, sorry, may I please take your photo, it comes out clear. I feel like they didn't even have photos. They didn't have photos, I don't think, when he was alive, probably. Well, probably not, no. So how does he know what they are? Oh, well, that's probably what makes technical. him that's okay. probably what makes him uncomfortable. He's like, right. what What are you doing? He probably exactly. thought it was like witchcraft or something. Well, I mean, it was probably... It kind like, of is. Maybe. Well, well it, no. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> but I want to know, like, who is the first person to be like, please, like, can right. I can i please take your photo and then he's like oh okay fine right it's like what do you mean this photograph (laughs) i am in oil paint (laughs) so next we have a painting by an artist named slavana Teletz, and she always said that throughout her life she always felt some sort of presence uh or that someone was near her or someone was always watching her and One day, she was just sitting in front of a blank canvas, and out of nowhere, she just started automatically painting. So she picked up the paintbrush, and it was as if her hands were being guided. And she finished the painting in less than five hours, which is pretty unusual for most paintings. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could get a really good start in five hours, but for the most part, it takes a lot longer. Or maybe not. You know, I guess every artist is different, but... When I was an art major, it took me forever. When she looked back at her painting, it was of a woman in all black with a pale, narrow face, and she was wearing a large black hat in the rain, and her eyes were looking down. Creepy. Yeah, a little little creepy, and this is what it looks like. Ooh. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't. Like, I... But it it is kind of eerie, um, for sure. And the thing about this painting is when it sold, it was quickly returned when the purchaser said that she was experiencing insomnia and the overwhelming feeling that someone was in her apartment next to her. Mm -mm. No. So she returns it. And then shortly after, a different person purchased it. And they returned it because they said they were plagued by dreams of a shadow woman walking around and it gave this person negative thoughts and they were afraid to be around the painting. So also a no. No. No, no. So she gets that one back. And then finally, like a third person is interested in the painting and she explains to this person, hey, like... A couple of people, like, have returned this, just kind of give, giving you a heads up, like, warning, you know, asterisk, whatever. 
And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't really believe in that. Like, it's fine. Um, Famous last words. Exactly. Egg. Exactly. So this person returned the painting naturally. So he said that he started to see the woman's eyes everywhere. And he would get intense headaches when he was in the same room as this painting. Oh, my God. So today, the painting hangs in the Venestia Salon called Merck's Furniture. So I have no idea what kind of store it is because it says it's a salon, but it also says it's like furniture. So I'm not sure if it's okay. salon furniture or like furniture for rich people who call a room in their home a salon. Maybe. You know? So I, I TBD, but I may never know. I, I probably will never go there. But customers who visit whatever store this is see the painting and they claim that they will see flashes of the woman's expression change. Oh, my God. So, you know, she'll be looking down, have her normal, like, neutral expression, and then you'll see a glimpse of her smile, or sometimes she'll look angry. So that's pretty chilling. I feel like that wouldn't help business in the furniture store. No, unless it was, like, pay $5 to uh, <laughs> to, to look at this the, painting. That might look at you differently. I don't oh, know. Maybe. But have you ever looked at one of those, like, paintings that the longer you look at it, the more it, like, kind of changes? So I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's, like, one of the, those things because her face is neutral. Yeah, hmm. maybe. Psychology. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Hmm. So this next one, it takes place in England. In the 1980s, there was a series of house fires in England, and there was an arsonist behind it. <gasps> but it was a bunch of sad little boys. Oh, oh no. <laughs> the British newspaper The Sun published an article in 1985 claiming that a series of cursed images would strike again. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So you sit down for your morning tea, you open up the newspaper, and a headline reads The Blazing Curse of the Crying Boy. <gasps> so what happened is in the area, Homes would burn down to the crisp, like everything gone inside of it. Oh, my God. Completely wiped out, like super sad. However, a painting of a crying boy would remain unscathed. Creepy. So you'd be surrounded in this like rubble of your home and then the painting of a crying child would be no. all that, all that's mm -mm. left. So no, I would also no. be crying. I'd be like, same. <laughs> but apparently... When the firemen came to the scene during the aftermath of a woman named Jane's house fire, one of the firemen said, oh, no, not another one. So the son, in the days following, got hundreds of calls from people in Britain who were horrified, and it caused a, a small mass hysteria, oh my God. which is super interesting. So in the 1950s, a Spanish painter named Giovanni Bragolin created a series of young boy portraits who were crying. And he claimed that it was the memory of a young orphan boy whose parents had passed away in a fire, leaving him orphaned. And for this young boy, this bad luck followed him. And not only the bad luck, but the fire, because the orphanage he lived at also burned down. Oh, my God. So then he got the nickname the Diablo. Did his did he cause the original fire that killed his parents? I can neither 
deny nor confirm. Okay. Wow. I'm not sure. It could have just been like a weird coincidence, but mm-hmm. maybe it's more a malicious thing. So who's to say? Okay. Uh I'd like to think he didn't do it on purpose, mm. but that adds an extra element of yeah. creepy. So this poor boy, we don't know. Uh-oh. Uh Other accounts say, or other tales of the the inspiration, say that it's to actually honor orphans that died during World War II. The thing is, it's not just one painting or a reprint of one particular painting, but it's a bunch of different versions of these paintings that are cursed so you know there's about 50 different variations of the crying boy and all of them were cursed and even the reprints so i don't know what kind of voodoo went into that paint to to cause that but oh my god pretty wild to say the least um but like i mentioned the paintings of the crying children were sometimes different um you know, different boys altogether, or sometimes there were like three boys crying, or sometimes it would be a girl. But for whatever reason, these were really popular. Um, <laughs> British people, right? Like right now, it's the um, like monoline abstract art is really popular, yeah. or like eucalyptus or like sketches of farm. I don't know, but for some reason, people saw like these crying children and were like. That would look really nice in my kitchen, you know? Like, that would look nice in my salon. <laughs> I want to look at this every day. Oh, my God. No, wait. Actually, it'd be hilarious to put that, like, when you're chopping onions. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh, that's an excuse. Uh. Right? Okay. I mean, I could see that, but I don't, I'm not going to risk it. But the identity of whoever the boy or the children were was never known. And it's also believed that the painter Giovanni was a pseudonym for a man named Franchot Seville. So he also might have been a pseudonym for another guy named Bruno Amadio who did exist. So it was wow. a pseudonym of a pseudonym of a man who existed. Pseudonymception. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> it was like a Russian doll. Like yeah. just like la- an onion. It was an onion. An onion. Yes. I've got many layers. I've got many and layers. Like, you know, ogres are like onions. <laughs> Giovanni's like an onion. <laughs> No, I mean, or or what else? Like a jawbreaker? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, layers, layers. Like an onion. Sure, we'll we'll go with it. Maybe that's why he made all the crying. Because he was because he was an onion. <laughs> Bruno, like the guy that did exist. Mm. Lots of his paintings were the ones that were made in mass production. So with the mass hysteria that came, the sun, a couple of days later, I think, kind of as a PR thing, was like, okay, like let's try to fix this because people are freaking out and they wrote another article saying that if anyone had one of these paintings they could send them into um, their office and then the sun would have a bonfire and burn these paintings for them so it turns out that they received 2500 crying boy paintings oh my god and it, they were sent in to help like ease the tension so the fire department had 50 different accounts of house fires with the crying boy painting still intact. Oh, my God. So the sun did actually burn it, and you can see pictures of it online or, wow. or, or accounts of, like, the actual bonfire. Um, but in 2010, so, like, after that, things kind of died down. Mm-hmm. But, like, this actually helped business for the sun because, you know, like, when 
people are in panic, like people bought more newspapers. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was before like the internet, you know, so Mm -hmm. they couldn't be like, oh, my God, did you see this? So it's like, wait, I want to read this. So I don't know. But um, they burned all the paintings to kind of let people calm down a little. So that was kind of it died down after that. But then in 2010, a British journalist and comedian uh, named Steve Plunt looked into this case and he was trying to reach a bunch of different people that had their house burned down and see if they could, you know, talk about the painting. So he was able to contact the woman named Jane, who's one of the survivors of the house fire. And she explained that she was just really drawn to the painting. She was absolutely in love with him. And she was like, I need this in my home. And now she like, can't look at the painting. Oh my God. So, uh, Plunt got his hands on one of the paintings and there's actually a YouTube video of him setting the painting on fire and it actually doesn't burn. Oh my God. Which is super weird. So I, so creepy. I don't know how like all the paintings of the sun did. Maybe there were the reprints or maybe yeah. it was more concentrated. I don't know. But it is weird because That's he's weird. like trying and it's like. What did he do with it then? Do you know? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Still exists. Still exists. Dun, dun, dun. This was actually featured, uh, Jane's story was actually featured on the Ghost Adventures spinoff, Deadly Possessions. Mm. So I believe one of the paintings is in Zach Bagan's museum. Of course. Naturally. Of course. Um, So next we have an artist by the name of William Stoneham. He was born in 1947 and he was adopted in 1948. Him and his adoptive parents stayed at his grandmother's for a while in Chicago to, yeah, represent, to save money for a little bit. Um, And he recalled that the home was so small or they were so crowded together that he had to sleep on like a tiny mat. So he became friends with this girl in the neighborhood. She was like about five years old. I think he was six or seven. And he just remembers her fondly. And, you know, they were friends growing up. Like everyone has a childhood friend like that. Yeah. So later, they moved to Southern California, uh, where he grew up, and he got his associates in arts, and then he worked at an art studio where he was contracted to create two paintings a month, and he would receive $200 per painting. He came across a photo of him and the little girl when he was trying to find inspiration for what to paint next. And he found the photo of him and little girl he was friends with, and he decided to kind of put his artistic spin on it, and he decided to create it, recreate it in 1972. So in the painting, it shows a boy with dark eyes and a downward smile, so a frown. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And next to him in the corner is a life-size doll And both of them are standing in front of a glass door. Behind the door, there are a dozen little hands reaching out from the darkness, like reaching for them, but can't get through because of the glass. So it's kind of like a zombie thing. It's very eerie, especially because you only see the hands and you don't know like what's attached to it. Oh my God. Um, The painting is called The Hands Resist Him. Oh my God. The painting was, like I said, inspired by the photo and it was also partly inspired by a poem that his wife at the time had written. So you can look up the poem. I'm not going to read it um, here, but it, it's a it's a very eerie painting. 
um, in on its own. So this is what it looks like. That's really creepy, and I don't like it. Yep. I, yeah, it's very unsettling. Like, I yeah, just... the little hands. It's the thing. It's one of those things, the more you look at it, the creepier it is, because you're like, oh, okay, like a little boy, if, like, he looks sad, like, maybe he's yeah. real broke, but then you're like, oh. And that little doll girl. Mm-mm. 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 No, no. She's holding, like, it looks like a pipe bomb. I don't know. Oh, my God. It's not. It's a battery, but, like... A battery? That's, oh, like her own battery? Which is kind of creepy right oh like yeah. did she rip it out or did he rip it oh out oh my god Ooh. it makes okay. you think you know but anyway and like the hands resist him like that's just uh. such an ominous title but anyway i love art it's fine <laughs> so when the painting was finished it was on display in the fane garden art gallery in beverly hills a man named henry dildis uh was an la times critic and he wrote about it I can I do not know if he wrote it in a positive or negative light. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but he was a famous art critic. And he wrote about the piece, and then an actor named John Marley purchased it. If you don't know who John Marley is, he was in the movie The Godfather, or that's at least what he's best known for, and he played the movie producer that woke up with the horse head in his bed. Uh. Nay. Um, and then within uh, what's weird though is within a few years the owner of the art gallery the art critic and the actor who purchased the art they all passed away within one year of being in contact with the painting oh my god so very weird coincidence i'd say yeah so after that, like, the painting would be unheard of for a while, at least to William, because I guess, like, when you sell your art, you, it's not like, you know, you're like, hey, like, just checking in. Are you enjoying right. it? I don't know. So he's <laughs> like, just give me my money. It's okay. But he sells, like, reprints of it. But anyway. Oh, um, why? I mean, he's an active artist, and I don't know. Okay. So like I said, he, uh, the painting was unheard of again. Like, he he didn't really know what happened after that. And... In 2000, there is an eBay post about a haunted painting. Hmm. And the eBay post said um, this man was trying to sell it and he didn't, you know, he had found it abandoned in an old brewery that was abandoned. And he Hmm. thought it was weird that, you know, when the brewery shut down, why like everything else was gone, but this painting was left behind. Mm -hmm. So he took it and he took it home. And he quoted, and there's a really long eBay article about it that, as there are, like, Mm -hmm. if you listen to the Dybbuk box, you know there's a whole thing. But uh, here's a little snippet of it. Um, The writer said, quote, At the time, we wondered a little why a seemingly perfect fine painting would be discarded like that. Today, we don't. Three exclamation points. (laughs) One morning, our four-and-a-half-year-old daughter claimed the children in the picture were fr- fighting and coming into the room during the night, end quote. So the father said, no, it's okay. It's just your imagination. Paintings don't do that. So the father set up a webcam to show the daughter that nothing, there was nothing to be afraid of. But there was something to be afraid of. Oh, no. <laughs> because the images would, in fact, change form at night. Oh, my God. Um, I do not know if there's any images or, or recordings of this. I'm guessing probably not because in 2000, the webcam quality was like one yeah. pixel a second. Like, it was, it was bad. Bad news bears. But 
But also in the eBay post, it said that there was a bunch of disclaimers. If you are faint at heart or if you are emotional or at risk of things or like you don't want some sort of paranormal attachment, do not buy this painting. We are not liable for anything that happens to you, like Mm. all that fine print. And there were reports coming in of strange reactions upon even viewing the pictures that he posted. um, Oh, my God. Which included people feeling violently ill or fainting. Children would scream upon seeing the painting. And observers also reported being gripped by an unseen entity. No. There were also reports of hearing strange voices or feeling hot air as if someone opened an oven door. So weird. Yeah, because normally you feel like cold spots. You right. don't feel hot air. Yeah. Does that mean the ghost just had like nacho? Like, I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. Does it mean spicy like it's a, it's a portal? To- <laughs> spicy ghost. It's a portal to hell. I don't, I don't oh know. Oh my God. Maybe. Maybe. So the eBay posting had over 30,000 views, which I think for 2000 is pretty impressive because yeah. it was before social media and sharing and everything. And it sold for $1,025. After it was just an original price of 199 Wow. So the artist created a series along that kind of went along it. So like a prequel and kind of like an evolution. So the other titles were Resistance and The Threshold, The Threshold of Revelation, The Hands Invent Him, and then the last one is called And What Remains. Oh, my God. The current owner lives in Michigan, and she says that she has turned down really big offers to buy the painting, like up to six figures, and I would have been like, yeah, here. <laughs> Take it uh, Maybe me. she thinks it'll be worth more, some- which is probably smart, I yeah, guess, but, yeah. um, but she says that she just keeps it like locked away, but none other than Zach Bagans, Zach, Zach. he has one of them in his museum, but the owner that has the current one turns down offers like i mentioned um and she says there's certainly a presence about it though speaking of zach bacons he owns some artwork that was created by none other than pogo the clown Mm -mm. some know him as john wayne gacy so i'm going to spare details on him because that will definitely be a topic for a later day and i don't want to spoil anything but basically what you need to know is he went to jail for whatever he did He was a serial killer. He was a serial killer. You said it, not me. (laughs) (laughs) But when he was in jail for being a serial killer, (laughs) he picked up the hobby of painting. How charming. I know. He he got his hands on a box of like oil paints or whatever. And he's like, okay. So he painted self-portraits. He painted portraits of like the seven dwarfs. He painted Charles Manson or Hitler or a bunch of other things and... Even if you don't know it's painted by a murderer, they are still really creepy paintings. I'm going to show you this one. The clown. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's so bad. No, it's it's horrible. I I, hate the clown. Yeah, I know. No, no. (laughs) Um, So one of the people who purchased it right away had bad luck, including the unexpected death of their dog no so, don't like nothing dog. to the dog no like they don't deserve that and then their mother also got diagnosed with cancer oh my god so he got rid of the painting and then the person who received it after that 
But someone they loved get into a car accident and they died. Oh, my God. And then when that person got rid of it, they had depression and attempted suicide. No. So something also interesting about this is Johnny Depp actually had one of the paintings, but he purchased it because he thought that the money would go to the victim's families. Mm-hmm. But when he found out it didn't, he was like disgusted and oh. he got rid of it. And he says like to this day, he's like horrified of the clowns now. Um <laughs> Also, Zach Bagans has a lot of his, some of his artwork or some of his things. It's called like murderabilia. You know, like a lot of people collect it. But um, he also has like the last pack of cigarettes that John Wayne Gacy had before he died. Random. Um, He has like Ted Bundy's glasses. He has Charles stuff from Charles Manson and like. So weird. The Night Stalker. Like it's, it's weird. I hate those paintings. They're, they're horrifying. They're uh, they're especially. Mm, 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 mm. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Edvard Munch. Yeah. He painted The Scream. Uh, but in, I mean, The Scream is kind of a creepy painting, but he actually has a different painting that is haunted for sure. Oh, good. So it's a piece called The Dead Mother. Mm-hmm. And it was made to honor his mother who died of tuberculosis when he was five. So in the background, there is the dead mother laying in her bed. And then there is a child with its hands on its head, kind of like it's screaming. But it also kind of looks like it has its hands over its ears. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but it's very unsettling. And it's, I mean, it's obviously very sad, but people say that they feel the... The eyes of the child will follow the viewers, and if people are in its presence, you can hear the bed sheets rustle. No. The last thing I want to end on is there is the Cleveland Art Museum mm-hmm. in Cleveland. So they made a Claude Monet exhibition, and they captured a strange photo. And I'm going to have you take a look. Who does that look like? Oh, my God. They captured... Claude Monet. It looks like a person. It, standing, is that not a person? It looks like a... So that's the thing. It looks... Because most ghost pictures, they look kind of like transparent, but this looks like a full picture. But what's weird is in at the bottom, there's actually a picture of Monet. And then mm. there's this... What looks like to be Monet's ghost oh on God. the balcony. And, you know, museum... The museum claimed, like, they published, like, we did not edit this photo at all. Like, it would be a really weird coincidence that someone, some old man just so happened to look like Claude Monet the day we finished the exhibit. Like, it's a weird coincidence. So, museum staff said that they saw, like, a man walking around the museum that kind of looked like him. But they were really unsettled and not expected. So, I think he was just, like, checking out the exhibit they made for him. Okay. So, I mean... Thanks, Monet. Yeah, but that is my haunted art collection for you. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. So, I guess just be careful where you buy your paintings. <laughs> um, and also, as always, be w- be mindful of what you purchase on eBay if it says it's haunted. Like, please I don't buy it. Trust trust it. I, I don't mess <laughs> with that. But anyway. Wow. Hope you enjoyed it. I did. I wonder how paintings become haunted. I would like to know that too. I don't know. Especially if, it, if the painter like 
had no intention of right exactly doing anything. i don't know how anything mm. gets attached or the the boy like how did i don't know i don't know it's like is it residual or i guess some paintings just have a lot of emotion in them yeah that's i don't true. know i don't know i'm sure a bunch of psychologists have a lot to say about it but i'm sure they do yeah yeah spooky yeah. and i'm glad we knock on wood don't have any haunted paintings so anyway Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And as always, speaking of artists, we would love to thank the artists that have helped us. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish, and our music production is by Justin Toom. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. Would you like to tell them where to find us? You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at theinsomniareport at gmail.com to submit a listener report or suggest a topic for a future episode. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we are gathering some stories for our listener episode. Keep yes. it anonymous if you'd like. We don't have to share your name if you're afraid. Don't be afraid. It's okay. We're it, nice. We are. We, we swear. We will see you next time for a classroom report for episode 37, for real this time. <laughs> and we really appreciate you being here. If you like our podcast, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. It really means a lot. Yes, please do. Stay sleepy and spooky. Good night. Good night.